great to be in church this morning. And uh, yeah, 10 years, it's amazing. So I just do want to honour the church for being so patient with us and for going on the journey with us. And we're part way there. So we're not finished where we want to be, but uh, God is taking us on a journey and we're all part of that. So thanks for being part of that. And uh, that was a great collage. Who's pinched my phone? So there was many of those pictures that were just for me, but uh, some, of those, some of those famous people are so glad to have had their face pictured here today. Brian Houston, Jensen Franklin, uh, uh, so many, uh, there was uh, um, oh, just so many famous people who, uh, do you see Eddie Betts, he was so happy to have his picture taken with me. It was just like, tracked me down, he saw me in Glenelg and he said, hey Rob, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's like, you know, everyone needs a hero. <laughs> so we better preach, better get into something good. Uh, but I do, I do want to say um, a big thank you to Pastor Pauline uh, for stepping out in faith with me to, to come to Port Lincoln. It wasn't something that you could do uh, on your own, thinking, hey, wife, you know, just follow me. But uh, we came together with that purpose to pastor the church uh, as a couple and um, I remember uh, those early days where um, God was speaking to me about this step and God spoke to Pauline uh, equally and uh, clearly so that we stepped into it together and I think that's the best pattern for ministry when you uh, have partnership like that so I want to honour Pastor Pauline for her part in all this. Okay. Our, our theme this year is victory, and uh, I, I was um, sort of a bit overwhelmed right now. I don't know how to sort of get, get a, <laughs> how to move forward from that. But uh, this year our theme is is victory, and we often speak about in church, and I've preached about all you know over and over again. And I've heard it many times preached, and we talk about warfare all the time. Who's ever heard a message on spiritual warfare? And we talk about that. We go over it. We learn about it. We you know we learn all about our weapons of warfare and our weapons of defense and all these sorts of things and how we do these things spiritually. But one of the things that that I've neglected is to speak on living in victory. So we don't always want to live in a tension of warfare, but we want to also live in a a place of enjoying the spoils of a war when when you have the victory. So that's what this year is going to be all about. And hopefully you can go with us and uh, grow and develop um, in the things of God. So it's a new year and a new theme. Last year we, we really focused all year on, on um, the supernatural. And I believe that's a great stepping stone for the victories that God wants us to, um, to discover and to live in is because they are a supernatural part of our life. So uh, it's just to carry on from that. So I want to begin my first preach for the year on the last thing God said to Jonah. That's a good transition, wasn't it? So now I put my preacher voice on. What God said to Jonah. So who knows the story of Jonah here? That's a, the guy who got swallowed by the, a great fish, spent three days in, in, uh, in this fish and then got spat out on the beach. So that's the same Jonah we're talking about. And um, I just realized that um, God spoke to Jonah some really important things uh, at the very end of the story. So um, I want to begin with that, uh, uh, with that today. Um, because the last thing that God said to Jonah is God's first priority. And I want us to get a hold of that this morning. So before we get to that, 
Over the past two years, we've been developing Growth Track and um, uh, the, the Growth Track for One Heart Church, which is for everybody to get on board with. If you haven't done Growth Track, you need to um, you know, get, get yourself booked into the next Growth Track course and get on board with that. It'll help you grow, help you understand your place and understand the church. But um, when we began developing the, the structure for Growth Track, I became aware that a major focus of the church was missing. And uh, I take responsibility for that. Um, and I'm going to explain to you uh, what that thing was and what we need to adjust as we go forward. So let me quote from our Growth Track booklet. Our number one priority, we consider reaching people who do not know God personally to be one of our greatest responsibilities. Our Sunday services are for people at all stages in their spiritual journey and are designed to reach those who do not yet have a genuine relationship with God. So when we put this together, I knew that we had some work to do to be able to make that statement a reality. And we still have work to do. But I want us to, to refocus our attention on God's priority. So this year, we want to be in victory and we're going to get that, we're going to discover that, we're going to live in that as individuals and as a church when we start to put in place God's priority as our first priority. So hopefully you can understand where we're going with this this morning. But what was the last thing that God said to Jonah? Let's get to that. Jonah chapter 4 verse 11, it says, But Nineveh, that was a city that Jonah was sent to, to go and preach at, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Uh, and in the NIV Bible, it says, it says there was 120,000 people who didn't know their right from their left. So they're clueless. And by, by the way, I know someone in my family who struggles with that very much. And the other day, we were in Perth last week and, and uh, we went to meet the family, some other family at, at this beach in Perth. And they said, when you, you know, get to this um, building walk down on the beach, turn left, and we'll just be just down there, you'll find us. And so I, I was watching up on the road, because I had to park the car, and I'm watching someone in my family walk down on the beach with those instructions and go like, walk left, but they went this way. And so I watched from a distance, and, and this particular person is on the phone, like talking, and it was so funny, they, they lost their thongs and the, the waves washed their thongs in the water and they're, I'm thinking they're going to lose everything going after those thongs and, and I'm thinking I should have videoed this, I sh we could have showed it this morning. Then the walk up the beach probably 100 metres the wrong way and then he's on the phone and, and, and got the wet thongs in their hand, they're, they're talking like this, it's so amazing. Didn't know their left from their right and then came all the way back and found where they were supposed to be. These people of Nineveh, it says they, they were living in spiritual darkness. Um, and then it says, not to mention all the animals. And God says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? So my purpose this year will be to constantly bring to our attention, to remind the church, our priority must be to reach those in spiritual darkness. We're talking about the unsaved, those who don't know who Jesus is yet. It is God's first priority and it is ours too. Now, we don't live in Nineveh with 120,000 people. We live in Port Lincoln with about 14,000 odd people, plus on the Lower Air Peninsula with another five or 6,000 people. So we've got a marketplace of people who are living in darkness who desperately need the touch of Jesus in their life. 
So my purpose has got to be to remind us to make that our priority for this year and for the, for the future. So God's first priority answers three big questions that people often grapple with. So there's one thing to come into a church, um, uh, get involved, maybe have an experience of, of God in your life and yet live in a fogginess yourself as a believer and hopefully when we start to understand God's first priority and we start to make that our priority, it answers some very fundamental questions that we need answered. So if we can put those up there. Um, why do we exist? I'm talking about not, not just so much as us, but why do you exist? And that is Matthew 5 verse 14, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you become a light to the world so that you can help others to see their way through that darkness. Um, who are we here for? Matthew 20, uh, 22 verse 9, it, Jesus spoke to uh, a, a story and he said, go out and invite anyone who will come. So we are here, our mission is to reach others. It's not just to... to to wait around until Jesus returns. We're here to reach other people. And the third one is, what is my part in all this? Matthew 24, verse 44, talks about being ready, talks about serving, and talks about being active in our, in our faith in Jesus Christ. So what, why do we exist? We're the light of the world. Who are we here for? For those who live in darkness. And uh, what is my part in this? You just get yourself ready. Be ready for God to use you. So when we participate in what God's into, our prayers change, our attitudes change, our willingness changes, and we have a, a life direction shift. And I think sometimes there, there, there's pivotal moments in our personal lives, and I believe this is a pivotal time in our church of a direction shift, so that we, we're going to change our position. We're going to change our focus. We're going to change our priorities so that we are focused upon. So every person here, if you're a part of One Heart Church, I want you to start to refocus your, your perspectives on the things of God's purpose and what's most important to Him. And so when we start to do that, we find that, that um, there's, a, there's a shift in the spiritual that makes us more effective. So... I want what God wants of me, not what I want. So many unanswered prayers can be explained in James 4 verse 3. It says in the King James Version, I like the poetry of it, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may be, sorry, say that ye may consume it upon your lusts. I love the way it's just so blunt with that. But, but so, many, so many Christians are, are walking around with a load of, or a burden that God doesn't love me. God doesn't answer my prayers because, you know, I ask for the lawn to grow in my front yard and I, I ask for, for, for the, the roof to stop leaking in, in my bedroom and I, I'm asking God for all these things that are all about me. Yet what Jesus is wanting us to understand is when we begin to focus our prayers upon his priority, then we start to see answers to our prayers. And so there should be no, no reason for an unanswered prayer when it's prayed according to God's focus, God's priority. So often we're, we're saying, God, you bless my prayers and my priority, and he says, I don't have to do that. I don't got to do that. Because he speaks English like me. So the, the prayers God answers are prayers according to his purpose for reaching those in the darkness. 
So Jesus' priority is always reaching those who are in the darkness. And we've got to understand that Australia is, is in a, um, or I guess the whole world is, is in a state of darkness spiritually, where people are disconnected, separated from the truth and the purpose of God for us because we're living in the darkness. So getting back to Jonah, he represents the person who knows God but is unwilling or perhaps even uncaring to follow him where he's leading. So we know the story, uh, Jonah ran away from the call of God. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, 120,000 people there. I want you to go there. I want you to preach to Nineveh. And, and he says, yeah, catch ya. He, and he says he bought a ticket on a ship and went the opposite direction. So who, who'd want to work with a person like that? It's like, come on. So he, he's, he's not ready. He, these words up there are, are, are descriptions of, of a church or a person who's um, unwilling to serve God. He's, he's, he's not ready. He's backward. He's reluctant. He's doubtful. He's disinclined. That's a great word. He's opposed. He's hesitant. He's contrary. He's indifferent. Now, there's nine negatives there. I'm going to counterbalance that with 18 positives. But one heart church, our vision tells us, our vision statement tells me this. Uh, it's, we are to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. Now, you might have heard this for the, you know, a hundred times. You might have heard this today for the first time. But our, our vision describes our future. It describes who we want to become. So I know, I know about myself, I can't speak for everybody here, but I know I need to mature in, in spiritual things. I need, I need to, to grow up. I need to understand things better that I can't understand in an immature spiritual sense. So I know I've got to go on that journey. Um, we, we want to be believers. That's the glue that holds us together. We want to have Jesus Christ as the center of our church. And we want to love the community in which we live. And that's our, that's our vision. But um, we don't want to be reluctant disciples. But we want to be willing disciples. Willing to serve God and to serve people and to reach out. Because that is the way in which we... Oh, just go back. That is the way in which we fulfill the vision when we start to reach out to others. So we don't want to be reluctant disciples. We want to be willing. So willing people, uh, now you can put that next one up. Thank you. Willing people are ready, and there's 18 of them, eager, prepared, active, inclined, that means leaning in, responsible, cheerful, content, deliberate, pleased, happy, prone, enthusiastic, consenting, fair, forward, and energetic. They're all describing words of a willing person. And God is searching and seeking for people who will say, I'm making your priority my priority, and I want to have all those things aligned in my life so that I am a willing servant to fulfill God's purpose and plan in these days. So you've heard me say this many times if you're part of our church. And by the way, if you're visiting with us, great to have you here. And we're so glad that you came to church, do a one-heart commercial. Tone can change a little bit. And um, we hope that the Holy Spirit really speaks to you this morning. And if you've seen things uh, that we do that uh, you, know, you haven't seen before in church, that's how we express our love and our, our worship to, to God. So hopefully that's okay with you this morning. But the window... 
the world has to God is the church. Always has been the church. So our goal ought to be to make that window as clear as possible so that people don't see our personality, so that people don't see our problems, so that people don't see our mistakes, but they see Jesus through our endeavors. Because that's the only window that a lot of people are ever going to see. Some people are never going to pick up a Bible and, and discover God by reading the Bible. Some people do, but many people never will. But they will read you. They will meet you at work. They'll meet you on the school bus. They'll meet you at school. They'll meet you in, in your workplace, wherever it is, as your, your next door neighbor, your family members even. They'll see you and they'll read you before they'll ever read a Bible. So we need to be a window to the world that is as clear as possible. So Jesus' mission is to reach people and he works through people. He works through the church that reaches into the darkness that has his priority as their first priority. Let's be that church. So to be that church, let's be obedient. Let's be like-minded. Let's be of one heart. Let's be in favor. Let's be intentional. Uh, let's be unasked. You know, sometimes we're, we're always asking, well, if they just ask me, I might, but you know what, they didn't ask me. I'm not getting involved. They just do things and when you're unasked, unforced. Well disposed. That means be positive and friendly. I like, I like these words I'm coming up with today. Be composed. Don't be always flipping out. Don't run around like your hair's on fire. Be composed. Be, be willful people who make reaching others the priority. So, so that's why, why it's really important that every person in the church finds their place because it helps someone else who is in the darkness, who finds their way into this place or finds their way into our world and we're able to help them into the presence of Jesus. We'll do more of that this year about how, how this all works. But don't make excuses for why people can't be saved or why we don't want them saved. Don't make excuses why people can't come to this church. Now, I've, I've, literally, as a pastor, I've been here 10 years now, and I've heard many times people come say, oh, you know, I couldn't bring my friend to this church. Oh, my family just wouldn't. Don't make excuses for why people can't. Try and make a way for how they can. Now, statistics these days show, reveal that I think it's more than 90% of people who, who make a decision for Christ today, in, over the last 10 years or so, do so in church. And back in the 70s, it was way down, like 40% or less. And I think the reason for that now is because we do church a lot better. Despite what you think about the good old days. I think we do church a lot better now so that more people today are saying, well, I came to know Jesus Christ because I was invited to a church service. The message was clearer. The, the way it was presented was better. And I was, I was ushered straight in to, to understand what this thing about Christ is all about. Now, not saying that people can't be saved outside of this, but I'm telling you the most effective tool the church has today for, for people to come to know Jesus Christ is the gathering in church services. So Jonah was an evangelist who didn't want the city saved. Could that be a picture of churches today? Well, I've got a mission from God. I'm called of God. I know, I know God. I'm sweet with God. But don't ask me to reach Nineveh. They don't deserve it. That was his big thing. They don't deserve it. They're, 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 they're not worthy. Why should I go to them? But Jonah was an evangelist who didn't want the city saved. And when the city turned to God, 
he actually complained about it. He said, God, I told you that would happen. I knew you weren't going to punish them. And you know something? That's the whole point. We, people have this skewed perspective of God and church and, and the church, all this kind of stuff, because they think that God is, is here and out there to punish people. He's not. He's here to forgive. He's here to make life better. He's here to take us on a journey closer to him, to make life, to make us better. So John chapter 9 is one of those quirky stories in the Bible. It's one of my favorite ones. And, and actually, yeah, I had a great opportunity in my life to, to um, play this part of, of the, the blind man that's described in John chapter 9. I was, I was in a youth group. They were doing this great big production. And uh, they, wanted, they had all these parts to play. A lot of it was vocal, so that, that kept me out of it. But I thought, well, I could be the blind man. Surely I could be the blind man in this. And so I auditioned for the blind man. And, um, and they didn't let me do it. So that was the beginning of the end for that church. Yeah, but step number one, offended once. Let's wait for the next time. So eventually I did leave offended and upset, and it was all their fault. So don't be offended and upset. It doesn't help. John chapter 9, the story of a blind man who wanted to be healed. And one of the most, it's one of the most unusual of Jesus' miracles. It, and it doesn't do well for his PR team doesn't do well for the advertising. Because if we were going to say to people, hey, we're going to have a healing service, come to Jesus, and we're going to spit on you. We're even going to make it worse. We're going to spit on the ground and make some mud and then put it in your face. Who say, hey, come on, Jesus, that's not good public relations. Jesus, you're, you're, they're not going to come back. If we do that to people, they're not going to come back to you. They're going to be offended and never come back. So anyway... Jesus spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, this is exactly what it says, and he put it in the blind man's eyes and then said, now go and do something. Now you go and do something. Now, for a lot of Christians, there's a whole, whole many points to this story here, but, but there's a lot of Christians in churches who don't get past the, the spit in their eye because the Bible is full of things that will offend you emotionally, offend you socially. But if you can get past that offense and do what Jesus says, you can come back seeing. Now, this story is not all about spiritual blindness. This is also uh, is, is an uh, actual physical healing that took place. But I see that there are so many other truths in it that we can apply. So our excuses say, that's so uncool, Jesus, to do that. Our excuses say, that's unfair, Jesus. That's socially and politically. Politically and every other way, incorrect Jesus. And if we read our Bibles, we'll see today in the way in which there's a, there's a whole juggernaut of thought uh, that opposes the ways of God to our, to our perspective and says you've got to comply, you've got to believe, you've got to, you've got to change your, your ideas so much so that that's why the Bible is, is uh, the most banned book in the world. It's also the most read book in the world. I don't know why governments of, of any dis description or persuasion would be afraid of the Bible as it is. But there's a, there's a, a great weight of, of opposition to, the, to this thing that we hold in our hands called our Bible. It is, it is the Word of God to us to help us get better. So people won't come back if you do that again, Jesus. And sometimes we excuse people out of the presence of God. We think, well, I hope, you know, th these are the things we, we, we have in our minds. Oh, I hope they don't preach about giving. 
Well, there's, there's no problem about, about talking about giving. Oh, I hope he doesn't preach about the blood. Or I hope he doesn't preach about this or that. And sometimes we, we excuse our way out thinking, but if I bring my friend, they're likely to say something that's going to offend them. And perhaps they will, but we've got to trust the Holy Spirit is moving in our church, is doing something that, that, that uh, allows the, the offense to happen, but also is the, the catalyst for their healing. Imagine if that guy just went, thanks a lot. I had faith. I thought you were going to heal me. All you did was you, put, you made my problem worse. Could you imagine if you're blind and then someone puts mud in your eyes made from their own spit? I'd be going away thinking, what the heck? I'm ripped off. I want my money back. But you know what? There's, there's power in obedience. And, and I want to tell you something. I don't know where you've come from, what issues you face, or, or whatever you could be dealing with, but I, I can guarantee you, if you would say, Jesus, I, I need your word, and you start to uh, look at the word, you start to read your Bible, you start to seek to understand the, the word of God, and seek to apply the word of God, because it wasn't that he got, he got the offense, the issue was that he obeyed, and he came back seeing, and that's what we want in our lives. So, people want to come back seeing so stories like this, we learn to accept Jesus does stuff that offends people's thinking. And the Bible has stuff in it that will offend people. It offends the natural mind. Um, it, it's moving beyond the offense that people will find their healing, that people can find their way to Jesus, can find their way to a, a, uh, a new perspective of living. But it's full of God's instructions. I love my Bible. It's full of God's instructions for every part of living. If we follow it, we will find victory. It's when we, when we know something and we say, well, I'm not going to do it that way. It's like saying, well, I know the Bible says to forgive, but God doesn't understand my, my level of hurt. I can't forgive. I can't let that go. I need to, I need to make them sweat. I need to make them hurt. I, need to, I want them to, be, to, to, to feel the pain. You know something? You know, you just got to say, Jesus, this is hard. You know how hard it was because you've been betrayed. You've been nailed. You, you've, been, you've been falsely accused. You got falsely imprisoned. You got beaten. You, get, you had your, your, uh, your body broken. And yet, it, it could have easily have been me putting those nails in you. But you forgave me. And so we need to, you know, sometimes it's not easy to go on these journeys along this path. But I can tell you, when we follow Jesus' way, there will be a better way. He'll make a better way. So if I can just have the, the musicians come and join me again. Matthew 16, verse 25. Jesus says some amazing things. Again, offensive things. And he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. So let's not jettison commitment to God for personal comfort sometimes. I mean, we've got to ask ourselves the question right now as we're stepping into a new season in the life of the church. Life of the church. What's the first thing that you, that you throw out um, when you're in a storm? You know, I've lost count of the amount of times that people say, well, you know, there's a little bit, bit of turmoil going on at work. Things happening at, in the home, having a little bit of trouble, so take me off the roster right now. And, 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 and they, they, take, they take a step back 
from, from the commitment to Jesus when they should be taking a step up into. So you know what? It's what we throw away in the storm that really tells us who our Lord is. And, and very often it's not, you know, I, I sort of can't, can't understand, I can't fathom why people say, God, I want, I want to live, I want to, I want to follow you, but you're always coming way, way down on the list. You're always the first thing that gets, that gets compromised in my life. I think it's so sad. It's a, it's a trap that, that the enemy so cleverly will bring to you to try and persuade you out of the purpose that Jesus has for you. I think there are those of us, and we're at that point right now where we can, we can turn. And it starts by uh, stop struggling against God and start flowing with the Lord, start flowing with His priority for our life. I'm talking to Christians. Today you can be activated afresh. Now with God's priority. But you need to ask yourself the question, what's going to change for that to take place? Because there's always an exchange. We have to leave something behind to take up something else. I want to say leave something behind to take up something better. So in a practical sense, Pauline and myself left behind the security of a government job. Left behind the security of the, the knowing of our situations and knowing of our finances and knowing of all those, all those parameters that seem so secure. And we had to leave those things behind. We had to leave, leave behind the opinions of relatives and, and, and my, uh, my accountant said, rang me when he heard, because he's my cousin as well. He says, what are you doing? You, you think about your family. Think about your future, Rob. And here I am 10 years later, my family's in the house of God. And we're still serving Him. And I'd rather, I'd rather see that security than the security of, of a government job. So what's going to change? For some people, there is coming a burden for people. Others, you need to step out to people. You can start to sing when you're ready, guys, but I'll just keep talking. Now, know this. There are people who need miracles, who need salvation, who need healing, who need someone to bring it to them. Right now, there are, they're in darkness. And perhaps God is calling you to be the one who touches them, who reaches them. Can we just stand together as we're preparing for a response right now? Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus saw crowds and he knew they were helpless and confused. One Heart Church, we can help people out of their confusion into God's best for them. Prayer for those, I want to pray for those who want to become a Christian this morning. If that's you today, we're going to pray this prayer together, which is going to come up on the screen. Because this is maybe the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you're wondering about church, you're wondering about this journey I'll be talking about with God, it starts when you can say this prayer. So if that's you today and you've never done this before, please I invite the whole church to pray with me. But you pray too if this is your first time. You repeat it after me. I believe Jesus, oh sorry, dear God, I believe Jesus is your son. 
who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you have prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, I would love to meet with you and uh, perhaps give you some material to take home with you, a Bible and some other things. But tell somebody before you leave today that, hey, I made that prayer for the first time today and, and I believe it. Something's changed in my heart. I, I want to walk the rest of my life with Jesus. So why don't you do that? Let's uh, let's give those a hand today if, if um, we can this morning. So just before I go, I want, I want to pray for people though. As I said, our theme this year is victory. And I think it will be a great way to lay a foundation for victory to start is to give ourselves over to God's priority. I'm a big believer in impartation, laying on of hands. Some things are just not complete without the laying on of hands spiritually. And we want to do that this morning with you. And as we sing with the team this morning, if you want to respond, perhaps you need to respond to give something to God and you want to do it now, then I'm going to invite you to come. You never know what this this decision will do for you in the next 10 years. But it starts today. This very day, take me. Say, Jesus, take me. Use me. I'm willing. So as we sing, I'm just going to invite you to come. I'm going to have the team, some of our pastoral team will pray with you and we'll leave with you. I'm not going to ask you any questions or try and you know do a counseling session down here but we just want to impart faith. We want to stand with you and believe that uh, we're going on a journey of victory and I want to make God's priority my priority. So why don't you join with me if that's you this morning. Whatever it costs me All I want is you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray for your church. I want to encourage you today. The decisions you make now can set you up for great things, great victories. Make that first thing. Jesus, I want your priority to be my first priority. Will you just bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. Lord, help me to make your priority my priority. This very day, take me. Use me. Help me to shine light into the darkest of places. Wherever I go, I want to be a light that shines the name of Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life in 2020. Help me to connect into what you're doing in the world today. Lord, I pray, use me. Use this church. Use us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we sing this a few more times together as we just seal this message in this morning.